0: We're going to observe the Lord's Supper this morning at the close of the service and so I felt it was a good time for us to remind ourselves why we observe the Lord's Supper and why Jesus commanded us to celebrate this ordinance until he returns. It's important that we know why we do what we do, that we don't just do rituals just to make ourselves feel good, just to have a show of some kind of religiousness. We need to know why we do what we do. And I've given many lessons over the many years that, uh, that I've been here on this subject. But we need to remind ourselves we are a forgetful creature. And we need to be reminded of the purpose of the Lord's Supper. And why it is an act of worship and an act of faith that is pleasing to God. So I'm going to use an outline that gives us a bird's-eye view of six clear purposes for the communion or the Lord's Supper, why we take it, and why it is important. So let's read in 1 Corinthians 11, and verses 17 through 34, Paul's instructions to the Corinthians about the Lord's Supper. Now, as we read this, it becomes clear that this portion of Scripture is a correction that the Corinthians were observing the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner in a way that wasn't right that wasn't pleasing to the Lord and but in giving these instructions he also tells us the right way the right attitude the right understanding and to understand the purpose for which it was given and so we'll read in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 beginning at verse 17 we'll read through verse 34 Now, in giving these instructions, I do not praise you since you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. Is it possible to have church and to be at something that is detrimental to God's people? Yeah, it is. There are a lot of meetings today that are being held in the name of Jesus as a church. And they're actually doing more harm than they're doing good. We don't want this assembly to be like that, do we? And so we need to pay attention to these instructions and the corrections and the proper way to worship the Lord. Verse 18. First of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And in part, I believe it for there must be also factions among you that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Yes, there will be divisions among God's people, depending on those who accept God's instruction as what's right and those who don't verse 20 therefore when you come together in one place it is not to eat the lord's supper now they thought they were they thought that's what they were doing but paul uh, paul says no for in eating each one takes his own supper ahead of others and one is hungry and another is drunk a part of the communion in that day it, it included a, a meal and so they were gathering together but some were going hungry and And some were getting drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. For I receive from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. That is, they've died in premature death. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Paul makes a clear distinction between those that are saved and those that are not saved. He makes a distinction between those that are saved and not living like they should as a child of God, and yet they are still saved. They will be judged. They will be chastened. Disciplined, but not condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment. And the rest I will set in order when I come. As we consider the these six purposes for observing the Lord's Supper, notice that they will also be a good summary of, of what the Christian faith is all about and and what our mission is all about. What does it mean to be a believer in Jesus Christ? In this age in which we live, we need to ask ourselves that question. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to live like a Christian? What are our responsibilities? What are our goals, our hopes? What are our blessings that we can expect as a child of God? So I'm going to give you these six purposes up front, and then we will briefly look at each one of them. The first one is that we would remember the purpose of Jesus's death. Remember me, Jesus said. The second one is to demonstrate our unity in Christ as one body. And then the third one is to remember the covenant which we enjoy, the blessings, the the promises that are ours because of Jesus' death on the cross, to remember the covenant of grace that we enjoy as the children of God. Number four is to proclaim the significance of the death of Jesus on the cross. Why did he die? Almost the whole world knows that Jesus was crucified, but why did he die on the cross? Number five is to remember his second coming. To remind us that he's coming again and then the sixth one is to give us an opportunity to examine ourselves to see that we are living in a manner that's worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross for us it's an opportunity this morning for us to examine are we taking the Lord's su- Supper in an, in a worthy manner now, many over the years have confused and said, "Well, nobody's worthy to take the Lord's Supper." Uh, well, that's true. We're not worthy in ourselves, but by the blood of Jesus Christ, we've been made worthy to take, to partake of all that Jesus Christ died to give us. But this is talking about the manner in which we take the Lord's Supper. What is our our condition, our state? before God our spiritual condition on a daily basis and so these are the six things that we'll consider the first one is to remember the purpose of his death the purpose of the communion is to give us a physical and visible reminder to take time to stop and contemplate why Jesus died just to take time this is why we we assemble ourselves together Jesus clearly did not mean when he said this is my body, this bread is my body, and this cup is is my blood, he did not mean that these elements magically or mystically transform into the literal blood and body of Jesus. It didn't in the day that he stated that. He was in his physical body when he said, this bread is my body and this cup is my blood. And so it's not as some teach that, these elements magically transform into his blood and body and that they have some power to change us, these elements. He's simply saying that these are symbols that are set to remind us that his body was broken on the cross and that his blood was shed, that we might have eternal life, that he might pay the debt of our sin. The observance of the Lord's Supper is like when 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 I have an appointment, I, I set an alarm on On my phone so that just before the meeting happens the alarm goes off and reminds me oh I've got something I need to do I've got somewhere I need to be it's 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 a reminder when the alarm goes off that's not the fulfillment of my obligation that's not the appointment itself it just reminds me I have some place to be I have something to do if I don't set that alarm I often get busy And I forget. And then after it's too late, oh, I had some place to be, somewhere to go. The Lord's Supper is a time for us to stop and think, I have a life to live for Christ. He gave himself for me. And sometimes we get so busy with life, overwhelmed with family and jobs and responsibility and hobbies. And we don't take time to really stop and appreciate what Jesus did for us on the cross. And so this is a moment where, us, where we can stop and think. He shed his blood for me. His body was broken on the cross. Then there are, are times when the alarm does go off and, and, oh, okay, yeah, I'll get to that. And then I get busy doing what, what I'm doing. And even though the alarm went off and I knew the alarm went off, then I still get busy and then I forget my appointment. When we take the Lord's Supper this morning, may we not leave here and forget What Jesus has done for us on the cross. And may that truth, that understanding of what He did for us on the cross, may that impact everything we do in every area of our life. Every decision, contemplating what Jesus did for me on the cross, impacts everything I do. When I stop and think, take time to think about what Jesus accomplished for me on the cross, there are some things I won't do when I remember that. There are some things I won't say. There's conducts that I won't participate in because I know Jesus gave his all for me. In Romans 5, verses 6 to 8, for time's sake, I I have to go through these rather quickly, but you can jot that down. But while we were without strength to save ourselves, when we were still his enemies, Christ died for me. A A personal revelation of the love of Jesus Christ for me who was his enemy, has conquered me, and it has given my life direction for every choice, every decision of life. It's in the light of what Jesus did for me on the cross. So we take time to remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, and this these elements serve to remind us of that. The second purpose of the Lord's Supper is to demonstrate our unity in Christ. Let's go to First Corinthians and let's read Chapter 10, verses 16 and 17. There's something else that these elements represent, and that is our unity. We are now the body, the mystical body of Christ. We are members one of another. We now have the responsibility, just as a a body, each member has to care for the rest of the members in this natural body of ours. And because Jesus died on the cross, none of us deserves salvation. But at the foot of the cross, the ground is level. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But whosoever will may come. Whosoever. And now we've all been made one. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are members of the same body. And now we have the responsibility to care for one another. This is why Paul's rebuke and correction of the Corinthians was so stern. They were actually bringing division with the, with the observance of the lord's supper they were leaving out the poor well you you didn't bring anything to eat so you're not eating They're, they were bring, making those divisions among god's people and not understanding we are all the same in christ rather than caring for those that needed care they were ostracizing them and so this is why paul was so so stern with his correction i don't praise you You're not coming, you're not having church for the good of anybody. You're causing more harm than good. But in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 16, the cup of blessing which we bless, talking about the observance of the Lord's Supper, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, all who believe, though many are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. Because of the one sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we are now all made one because we partake of the same benefits of the sacrifice, the life that comes from the bread of life, Jesus Christ. And so when we observe the Lord's Supper publicly, like we're going to do at the close of the service, we're demonstrating that we are all one, that there is no unimportant member of the body of Christ, that we all have a place. And we all have the responsibility to care for one another. And so when you take the elements today, you're not only remembering the the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, you're remembering that that sacrifice made us one in Christ. Hebrews 10, verses 23 to 25. This is why we are told in this passage that we are to consider one another. We're to stir people up. A lot of times in a congregation... There's a lot of stirring going on, but it's not not always to love and good works. We are to stir one another up, encourage one another to do what's right in the sight of God for their benefit and for the benefit of the body of Christ. And that's why we shouldn't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. That's why we gather together to worship the Lord in the many ways that we do, including the, the observance of the Lord's Supper. It's to remind us that we are one in Christ. And that we are to encourage one another in our walk with the Lord. Also in Ephesians four verses fifteen and sixteen. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things, Ephesians four, fifteen, grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, for whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love when we take the lord's supper it's an opportunity for us to remember that to stop and think not only of christ but of the other members of the body of christ number three is to remember that the covenant of grace has many many benefits for us the new covenant of grace verse 25 there in in our opening text in first corinthians eleven twenty-five. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. As oft as you do it, do this in remembrance of me. The covenant of the of the law only brought cursing and death. But the new covenant of grace, sealed and established by the shed blood of Jesus Christ brings life and eternal blessing. Promise to prov- to provide everything we need in this life as we anticipate the coming of the Lord. And so when we take Lord's Supper this morning, we need to remember that my God has promised to supply everything I need in life. To have his best. To experience all that he has for us in Ephesians 1. When you have time read this prayer in verses 15 to 23 that the Apostle Paul has prayed for the believer. And in verse 18 of that passage. Ephesians 1.18. He prays that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And what are the riches of the glory of the of his inheritance in the saints stop and think about all that jesus died to give you that's what these elements are for they're reminders stop and think about it take time to contemplate all that jesus died to give you it includes forgiveness of sins eternal life a home in heaven answered prayer guidance protection joy unspeakable peace that passes understanding hope and the promise of a resurrection One day we're going to put off these frail bodies. Seems like they they get more frail all the time. But because Jesus died on the cross for me, I'm reminded as I think about that sacrifice that my hope goes beyond the grave. My hope is eternal. We should dedicate ourselves to studying all that Christ died to give us and then entering into that. The fourth one is to proclaim the significance of his death. Death. To proclaim that significance to the world. In verse 26 of 1 Corinthians 11, we read that as oft as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. So this is a public proclamation that we're doing this morning. We're identifying with this message. The Lord's Supper is a a time for us to remember our responsibility to proclaim this message that's so simple. 1 Corinthians 1.18, 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. Jump down to verse 21 of that same 1 Corinthians 1, 1 Corinthians 1.21, for since in the wisdom of God the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. And so we're proclaiming this morning when we take the Lord's Supper that we believe the message that Jesus died on the cross, that his body was broken on the cross, and that his, his blood was shed for us to pay the debt of my sin. we believe that message, and now we want to share it with whosoever will, whoever will hear it and receive it and believe it. These symbols of the body and the blood of Jesus' death on the cross serve to remind us of the the simplicity of our message. First Corinthians fifteen. The gospel of Jesus Christ really is simple. This is why I, when so many religious organizations and denominations they they make a big ritual, and the ritual becomes more important than the message and the the meaning and the purpose of of the ceremony, and when they add things to make it fancier, to make it more appealing, they're getting away from the simplicity of the gospel. This is why the way in which we observe the Lord's Supper, it's, it's very simple. It's very basic. But this simple message has power to save the lost. And it is the only message that can save a lost and dying world. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. All the Old Testament scriptures pointed to the Savior that would be the substitute, the representative, the head of the human race. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried. His death was real. And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's the simplicity of the gospel. We remember that message and we, we proclaim it and we, we're making a public statement. I believe that message and that's the message that I offer to the world. First Timothy 2, 3 through 6. Another simple proclamation of the message that we preach. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all, To be testified in due time that's what we're remembering today that's what we're identifying with that's the reminder of the message that we have to share there's one god creator of all creator of heaven and earth creator of all human life and there's only one mediator that can reconcile us back to that creator and that's jesus christ it's not any saint it's not any organization it's not any ritual it's not any ceremony None of that can reconcile us back to our creator. Only the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He paid the debt of our sin. Number five is to remind us of his second coming. Matthew 26. Jesus said, when you do this, when you observe the Lord's Supper, you are proclaiming my death until I come. And in Matthew 26, 29, he said this. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. The doctrine of the second coming of Christ is central to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's one that's not being preached today by many. But as we look back at the sacrifice of Christ, as we remember the sacrifice that has already been given That backward look will also cause us to look forward to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is coming. The world mocks us. Much of the church no longer preaches it. but Too many years have gone by. He hasn't come. All of those years that passed after the promise made to Adam and Eve that there was coming the seed of the woman, many, many years passed before that Savior came on. But with the eternal God, one day is as a thousand years. And a thousand years is one day. In other words, time has no meaning for God. He's eternal. And because I am his child, I have eternal life as well. The Bible promises that when I die, if I die before Jesus comes, my soul and my spirit go immediately into the presence of God. Paul says it's, it's much, much better. But that, that's not the full hope of the, of the believer. Because on the day of resurrection, when Jesus comes, the dead in Christ will rise first. We will receive a glorified body, one just like our saviors, fit for eternity. Jesus prayed in John 17 in verse 24. He asked the Father here that we might behold his glory. John seventeen twenty four, Father, I desire that they also. This is John 17, verse 24. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am that they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. He's promised to share that glory with us. We can't fully comprehend what all that means in eternity, but I'm looking forward to it. And so when I think of this, when, when these elements, these symbols, remind me of what Jesus did for me on the cross, it reminds me that I have a future hope, and it gives me strength for today. And that leads us to the last one. And that is, it's an opportunity for us to examine ourselves that we might live in a manner that's worthy of our Savior. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verses 14 and 15. When you take time to think about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, it gives the Holy Spirit that opportunity to make it real to you and personal. Not just Brother Doug's religion, Brother Doug's faith, Not your mothers, your fathers, your uncle, whoever. Jesus loves you. And when you fully have an understanding that Jesus loved you enough to die for you, it will overwhelm you. It will cause you to humble yourself and desire to live only for him. As God's people, we fall short of that from time to time. And so Paul in his instructions to the Corinthians was not putting up obstacles for people not to take the Lord's Supper. That's how a lot of people consider it. Well, I don't want to take it because I don't want to I don't want to get in trouble and I know I messed up this week or whatever. So I I don't want to take it. Paul's instructions were not to keep you from taking it. They are to give you the opportunity to get back on track. And then partake of the Lord's Supper that you might publicly testify I believe this message and this message has changed my life. And I want it to continue to change me and to transform me. No, I'm not perfect. But I want to please the one that loved me. And I want him to correct me. I want him to, to instruct me and to put me back on the right path. This morning's an opportunity for you to take that time to examine. 2 Corinthians 5 verses 14 and 15. The apostle Paul says, for the love of Christ compels us. It's literally to put chains around us. It restricts what we do because we know that Jesus loved us so. That love restricts me to do what is right in his sight. The church doesn't make me do what I'm supposed to do. My mom and dad, its not. I don't do just because they said so, but because Jesus said so. Because he loves me. Because he always has my best interest in mind. Then, as children growing up in the house, Jesus also said, what? Obey your parents. So obeying your parents is part of obeying Jesus, honoring him. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. May we rise up in the newness of life and live for him who died for us. Titus 2, verses 11 through 15. These are the reasons why we take the Lord's Supper. May we allow these reasons to transform us, to change us. Titus two, eleven to 15. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. What is that grace that saved you teach you? Teaching us the denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. That's how the child of God is to live. That's how we partake of the Lord's Supper in a worthy manner. Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. That's always the foundation of all that we do. That he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself, his own special people, zealous for good works. Speak these things, exhort, rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. Are we that kind of people? Are we a zealous people? As we take the Lord's Supper this morning, may we be reminded that that's the kind of people we need to be. Jesus gave his all for us. May we give our all for him. May we remember these six truths, these six reasons, purposes for the Lord's observing the Lord's Supper this morning.